There we go. All right. I, I, I want to begin today by, um, by talking to you about a man who was raptured three and a half thousand years before Jesus came to the planet. Did you know that there's, there's actually been two people in the Bible that were raptured? Enoch and Elijah. So which one do you reckon I'm going to talk about today? Have a guess. No, Enoch. (laughs) Enoch. So, Enoch was a man of great faith. And he had so much faith that you'll see that he's mentioned in Hebrews 11.7, along with a lot of other heroes of faith. Do you know what I reckon? I reckon a lot of people have lived and died and have been added to that list. You won't see them in the Bible, but I believe they've been added to that list. I want to read to you uh, Genesis chapter 5. You can flick your Bibles open if you like. Um, 5.21 to 14. Wait. That's... Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to read it backwards. Alrighty, yeah, um, I've made a typo there. Yeah, 14 to 21. Where are we? 14. That's not right. Let's just try 21. Um, yeah, verse, uh, yeah, Genesis 5, 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah and after that became... The um, after that he became hang on, when Enoch lived sixty five years he became the father of Methuselah and after he became the father of Methuselah Enoch walked with God three hundred years and had other sons and daughters. Imagine the chockies would have to hand out you know if Roger was turning three hundred. <laughs> Talking about chockey, Rod, would you like to come up on the platform? A minor miracle has occurred and we, need, and we need to make a presentation. This has arrived and it's got Roger written on it. I thought it was for me. But anyway, I was wrong. So, happy birthday once again. You know, it's actually, Roger's birthday is actually today. This is the day. Starting off on a new trip around the sun, brother. Yeah. yeah, with the sun. With the sun. Yeah. Yes. Well, good on you, Pete. Thanks for bringing that up on the screen. Awesome. Alrighty. So, Enoch, from the Bible, we know that Enoch was Adam's great, great, great grandson. How about that? Adam's great, great, great grandson and Enoch was Noah's grandfather. There you go. You can work it out. You you read the preceding and following verses and you can work it all out. Um, So Enoch lived a holy and faithful life to the Lord. He also becomes the father of Methuselah why is Methuselah famous? He did. He lived almost a thousand years. 
Imagine being a truckie for that long, Matt. <laughs> Twenty years and now. A thousand years, you'd be you'd be solid in your trade, wouldn't you? In a few trades, yeah. So um, so he he um, so Enoch gave birth to um, well, he didn't give birth to anyone, did he? But he, <laughs> it was Mrs. Enoch. <laughs> yeah. So he became the father of the longest living man, and throughout his three plus generations on earth, he has numerous other offspring. Enoch is also one of only two people taken, as we mentioned earlier, straight to heaven. He escaped death altogether. There's no tombstone in this world with Enoch written on it because his body ain't there. He was spirited away. So Enoch walked with God and was no more, as some versions put it. Because God took him away. I want to explore this whole idea today of walking with God. Okay? Can we see God? No. I'm walking with God all the time. Is that what it means to go for a walk? No. <coughs> it's deeper than that, isn't it? It's deeper than that. To walk with someone implies side by side. Uh, it implies conversation, holding hands, contemplating acceptance, sharing the heart, receiving instruction, friendship, companionship, yoked at the heart. I like that. Yoked at the heart. And the list goes on. Am I shouting too much? It sounds a bit loud, doesn't it? Yoked at the heart. And the list goes on. When our first child was born, I made uh, deliberate and conscious choices about my lifestyle. About my lifestyle when Gary was born. I gave up smoking. I chose to follow God in a more deliberate way. These changes were important to me because now I was setting an example for our children to follow. It seems that the birth of Enoch's son had a sanctifying, ennobling influence in his life. <coughs> Excuse me. The... Uh, The man's life changed in his relationship and attitude towards God. It is good to start well, but it is even better to continue continue steadfastly to the end. Even if it is a 365-year lifestyle, lifespan. The word walk implies a steady, progressive relationship. And not just a casual acquaintance. To walk with God is the business, folks, the business of a lifetime. It's the business of a lifetime and not just the performance of an hour. We can all do that, can't we? We can come to church and, oh, yes. 
But on Monday morning when the rubber hits the road, that's when we see our true Christianity. When the temptation comes, when the boss yells at you, or the spouse, and we see the reaction. How are you in your walk with God? Are you a space shuttle? What are you talking about, Pastor Stewart? Are you a space shuttle or are you a locomotive? <clears throat> Is your walk with God done in short burst? You know, off in a flurry, then back to earth? Or are you there for the long haul with heaven as your destination? You know, God asks us to carry a load. Sometimes we ask to carry a load. A load of ministry, whatever that ministry might be. And we need to be there for the long haul. We don't need to be just, okay, we're off in a flurry. We do the quick job and then we come back to earth. We have, you know, six months rest and then we get back into our Christianity again. No. We need to be there for the long haul. And heaven... Folks, heaven needs to be our destination. Have you ever experienced double-mindedness? Do you waver between two opinions where God is concerned? Are there areas in your life that put God aside? It's not good to try to walk the fence worshipping the God of this earth and the God of heaven, Yahweh. In fact, we can't or we're unable to have a foot in each camp. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And I do know Christians, folks, that they want to get every blessing they can from God but they also want to get as much as they can out of the world as well. But from my understanding, what the world offers me just cannot compare. It just cannot compare to what God offers me and gives me. The free gift of God is eternal life, isn't it? Can it get better than that? Can it get better than that? I was going to bring a big, long piece of rope today and I forgot. But I wanted to demonstrate on a big, long piece of rope and I was going to paint this much of the end of it red. And so this is our lifespan here, our 70, 80, 100 years. But then this big, long piece of rope that just goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. Well, a rope has an end. But that signifies our eternity. And sometimes we're so worried about this little bit here that we forget about what's coming. And folks, our life here is not just about having a good time here. That's okay. You can have a good time with Jesus. No problem. But we also need to prepare for 
our eternal life. God is not contained within the universe. God is not contained within space. God is not contained within this planet. Science tells us that there is a uh, continuum of time, space and matter. And everything we know about revolves around time, space and matter. And a student in a science class was challenged by his professor, a Christian student, I should say, a Christian student was challenged in his science class by the professor that the Bible had nothing to do with time, space and matter. And the student opened his Bible to the very first verse He said, in the beginning, he said, there you have time. God created uh, the heavens and the earth. So God created his matter, the heavens, and the earth is space. Time, matter, and space. Right there in the very first verse of the Bible. And so... Um, What do we learn from that? We learn that God is not contained within this earth or God is not even contained within the universe or space. God cannot be contained within anything that he created. If God is contained within space, then he's regulated to time because Everything's whizzing around all those stars and we measure our time by our distance around our star, the sun. And so God is outside of the universe. He's outside of space. That's where our eternity will be. Our eternity will not be here. We might come and visit, I don't know. I've got no idea. But heaven, the new Jerusalem... That is outside this realm altogether. We need to be people of great faith and we need to be a people who are able to maintain their great faith. I'm not going to turn to it, but you can read through um, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 any time you like. And there is a whole ton of heroes of faith. And folks, I would like, I would love, I would absolutely love you to live your Christian life to such an extent that you would also be added to those great heroes of faith. And think about your walk with the Lord. Think about your history with God, even right now. And think about those times where you've exercised great faith for that prayer. For that miracle, for that healing, for that revelation of the word, for that prophecy to be fulfilled. Think about those times of great faith. 
Those times when you went onto the street and evangelised and you got slapped down for it. That is time of great faith. When you step out, when you step out in the name of Jesus with an expectation, times of great faith. We need to be people of great faith. And as Christians, we must not go backwards. We must not go backwards. Remember the past. Remember your history with God. Remember the good times and use them to live the present and plan for the future because God is good. We must maintain our present position of faith within God. We must care for the brethren. We must hope for the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Boy, do we hope for that. We look around and see the signs and we say, well, it doesn't look too far away. And that is hoping that it will be sooner rather than later. I've got a mate that lives in Hobart. And he has a friend, an Aussie friend, who is a missionary in Nigeria right now. He messaged him just the other day and I was sent a copy of the message, which I'll see if I can quickly find that. Received this from an Aussie missionary in Nigeria. Last week, banks invalidated old currency, but new currency is restricted, forcing Nigeria cashless. Markets are closing over the nation. People don't have cash. People are abandoning produce they can't sell. People can't purchase grain, eggs or other farm produce. Produce. Get ready, folks. It's coming. <clears throat> Nigeria, who's next? A cashless society. Soon, okay, I, I, I get it, over there you need to use your credit card to buy because there's no cash. But soon it won't be the credit card, will it? Do you know what I drew there? 666. We'll probably get raptured before all that happens. But I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people that won't be raptured. I was thinking about leaving a key under the mat here for those that miss out on the rapture. But but I've, I've rethought that idea. I thought, well, what's the point? They're only going to come into a building. A building won't save them. There's going to be no... I suppose they might come and fall on their face. Last chance, church. (laughs) Anyway, where are we? It's good to start well, but it's even better to continue steadfastly to the end. We are to stand firm in the faith, folks. No matter what you see going on, 
we are to stand firm in the faith. Christians are in constant danger of being swept downstream by the currents of ungodly, ungodly even, ungodly culture. And Christians are also prone to let the truths they know and the relationship they enjoy with God grow cold. Do you know Christians? Do you know anyone, a believer, who has allowed their faith in God to grow cold? Come on. Come on. Think of your eternity. Don't be worried about the things that are happening here on the planet too much. Do your best. Ask God to help you in your problems and whatnot. But don't grow cold on Jesus because... You don't want to. You don't want to miss out. I had a vision, uh, a dream. Had a dream about three, four months ago. I probably shared this, but in the dream, God was opening up the Lamb's Book of Life and, and inserting more blank pages into it. Folks, this revival coming. Yeah, there's a cashless society, and there's all sorts of volcanic eruptions and. Balloons getting shot out of the sky and, you know, it's all happening. It's all happening. But there's a revival happening. A revival happening. And it starts in the hearts of men and women who believe and have a relationship in God. That's where revival begins. It begins right here. And you bring that, you bring that revivaling heart to church and you get it equipped with a revelation of the word. And you take your heart full of revival and you talk to people, non-Christians. And all of a sudden, it catches the spark, the ember, the coal, the little flame. I'm not worried about filling this building, but I am worried about getting names in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's... That's my bottom line. And for Wattle City Church, that really is the very bottom line. Get their names in the book. Then we can start the discipleship and get them baptised and get them equipped and get them ministering. But the bottom line, get them through the gate. Get them through the gate. We need to vigorously, vigorously hold to what... We have been taught by scripture, by servants, by pastors, by teachers, by gifted people. Don't lose your grip on the apostles' teachings, folks. Don't lose your grip on the apostles' teachings. They're good and they're strong. The church is built on the prophets and the apostles. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And when Jesus went up Mount, on Mount Transfiguration with um, Peter, uh, hang on, um, Peter, James and John, there appeared also was Moses and Elijah. So right there, right there, you had the apostles, you had the prophets and you had the chief cornerstone. Right there was the foundation of the church. And how long after that did they have the first church? Not long. Days. 
days. And how many were added to their number? Thousands. And one bloke even fell out of the window. Did you read that in the book of Acts? He must have nodded off. Maybe I was preaching that day. (laughs) Anyway, don't lose your grip on the apostles' teachings. The 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 Thessalonic church of Thessalonica, the people there were in danger of slipping backwards in their Christian experience. You can read about it in the book. Because of the pressure of their trials and the daily negative influences of the world, the flesh and the devil. But folks, don't go down that road. Don't go down that road. It is easier to progress in a steady walk with God rather than to play catch-up. Seriously, playing catch-up is just, it's a mugs game. You know, the first thing that happens, you just get a massive attack of the guilts. Then you stop your communication with God for a while, you know. Then you come to church and you, you skip communion. No way, I'm way too guilty for that. I feel so bad. Then you go home and then you think about, you know, what, what the preacher's, preacher of the day said and you think, oh man, I'd, I'd better repent and get my life back to normal, you know, back in order. So then you repent and, and then you ask God's forgiveness and he's faithful and just. He sees your heart and he, he says, oh, my son, my daughter, I forgive you. It's all good. Let's, you know, let's start again. And then you come back to church and you get back into communion and fellowship with folks. Just avoid, you can avoid all that. You can just avoid all that by not going down that road in the first place. Just keep the relationship good and strong. Remain faithful. And, and you know, you think, oh, yeah, I've just saved a ton of you know, guilt and, uh, and all of that, all of that. Don't give the devil a chance. You know why? He'll take it. He'll take it. The devil hates you. I'm sorry, but if anyone hates a Christian, intensely dislikes or whatever... It is Satan. It is the devil. He wants you to fail no matter what. And he will do absolutely everything that he's got in his little bag of tricks to make you fail. He hates you. He does not want you to succeed. But, question, which is the greater power? The power of sin or the power of God? Then we're on the winning side and the devil can't touch us. He can hate all he likes, but he ain't getting me. I've got my name written all over that pearly gate. It's staying there. Believers must remain Steadfast. We pray for encouragement. We pray for strength. God's love and grace is the foundation for eternal, that is unending, encouragement in the face of any temporary, 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 present distress. Also, 
God gives hope for the future. Do you reckon this book's got something about hope for the future? <laughs> Flick it over to the last book. Daniel, um, Thessalonians, Gospels. It's all about hope for the future. In fact, once you get past Genesis chapter 3, the fall, from Genesis chapter 3 through to the end of Revelation, it's all about hope for the future. In fact, it's all about the God-man relationship being restored. Up until Genesis 3, things were going on pretty cool. I think Judy talked about that during communion. Adam and Eve, the sin, the impact. So God gives hope for the future and that hope is good. It is beneficial. It assures the believer or believers of the return of their victorious saviour. As he loved as he loved us and gave us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. This looks back at the greatest exhibition of God's love, the gift of his son for us, because we know that he settled sin the sin question at Calvary. Pardon me. Jesus settled the sin question at Calvary and we have eternal comfort now and the hope, folks, the hope of a glorious future. And it is all through God's marvellous grace. This is not just encouragement in the midst of distress but strength to move forward in the battle. Strength to move forward in the battle. I was, uh, I was doing my quiet time um, the other day, Monday through the week, and I was reading the story about Moses. And there was this battle going on. Every time he lifted his hands up, the Israelites were winning. Oh, my arms are getting a bit heavy. And then the enemy started to win. A couple of boys came along and they found a stone for him to sit on. Must be a bit hard, but anyway. And they stood there and one took this arm and one took this arm and they held his arms up. And the battle was won. What do you reckon that story signifies for us? I don't even have notes on this. But... You know, I'm thinking, when our arms are up, we're in an attitude of worship. We're in an attitude of praise. We're in an attitude of communing communing or communicating, if you like, with God. And when Moses had those attitudes, God was on his side. And it's the same with us. If we're walking around with a bad attitude a selfish attitude, a worldly attitude, an attitude that leaves God out of our life, out of the picture, then what can we, what can we expect God to do? Oh, 
Look at Pastor Shield. He's moping around like a sick dog. He won't even praise me. He won't even do anything. Yep, that's it. I'm just going to bless his socks off. And No, it's a two-way street with God. And we need to make the first move. And we act in faithfulness. We act in faithfulness. And that's what God likes. Jesus said to the disciples, you see me and you believe. But he said there are generations coming that won't see me and they still believe and they'll be blessed because of their faith. Truth on our lips is not enough. It must be worked out in our life. So in our lives, there should be the order of teaching and doing, doctrine and duty, preaching and practice. Or put it simply, if you're going to talk the talk, then you need to walk the walk. I hope and pray I'm preaching to the converted today. (laughs) I really do. Let me wrap this all up. We must be established in every good word and every good work. In the world of truth and the work of righteousness is where we must be established. Christ must be honoured by our good works and also our good words. Think about the words that you say. Is your vocabulary, your normal vocabulary, is it appropriate for Christianity? When you hit your thumb with a hammer, are your words appropriate for Christianity? To challenge? I'm not saying you need to go and get a hammer and deliberately test yourself. <laughs> but you know what I mean, when, when, when things happen that are a bit out of the ordinary, how do we respond? How do we respond? Those who are sincere will endeavour to do both. That is, have good works and good words. And in doing so, they may hope for the comfort and hope for eternal establishment. As strangers whose citizenship is in heaven... We're carefully watched by the world. Do you know we have two citizenships? We have an earthly one that's under King Charlie, but we have an earthly one that's under King Jesus, a heavenly one that's under King Jesus. That's, that's the one that will endure. Charlie's reign will come to an end one day. So as strangers whose citizenship is in heaven, we are carefully watched by the world. Have you noticed that? Non-Christians will say to you, Ha ha, you slipped up today, buddy. (laughs) And we must live to glorify God. It may be difficult today, but folks, it'll be worth it 
when Jesus returns. Do Australians really know what persecution is? Remember Enoch and his faithful walk. Holy living should be our goal, not merely because God commands it, but because it is our true identity. It is our true identity. In Christ, we are no longer citizens of a sinful world, but we are people of God. Folks, we are people of God. We are people of God. We are people on a journey, a journey in this world and on our way to our true, true home, which is heaven. Which is heaven. Father, we give you thanks for your word today. As we have remembered the faithfulness of Enoch, Lord, and a man with such a relationship that you just took him holus bolus. Lord, could we have such a relationship with you? Could we have such a relationship, such closeness? Could we be people of great faith, Lord, like the ones in Hebrews 11? Lord, I truly pray today that not only will you show us our potential, the potential we have now, but show us, Lord, the potential that we can have in you and help us, Lord, to work towards that potential and that, Lord, that wherever we are in our walk with you today, that we would increase onefold would be good, twofold would be great, fivefold would be terrific, tenfold, Lord, would be awesome. We know that you can do it. I pray, Lord, that we will be willing to allow you to have your way in our lives today and forever. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Wattle City Church. If you Google Wattle City Church, you'll find us on Anchor, Spotify, Facebook, YouTube, and a whole bunch of other platforms. Feel free to listen. We pray that you'll be encouraged by this message and by other messages that you listen to. We praise God and we pray blessings upon you in Jesus' name. Amen.